0: Let's go over to Ephesians chapter two. And uh, we want to continue with this that we've been looking at uh, on faith for healing. And uh, there are things that we have to uh, consistently understand. And uh, you know something that i've I've worked consistently on over the years is, I read a scripture in the book of Psalms years ago, chapter 119, where the psalmist said, I rejoice over your word as one that found great spoil. And when I read that verse, I'm I I have a habit. You you can do whatever you want to do. When I see something that impacts me, I stop and I put my hand on it and I raise the other hand to the Lord and I say, Lord, that's going to be in my life. And in that verse, I made a decision the word that has so radically transformed my life, I'm not going to lose my, uh, not just appreciation, my fervor, my joy over it. And what, what impacted me and changed my life all those years ago still has the same impact on me. And uh, that's why you with any subject, but especially with healing, you have to start with under the understanding of God's will. And, Uh, I still remember where I was when I first heard the statement that you can't separate God and his word. And that's one of those things, especially in our circles. You know, that's right. You can't separate God and his word. Then why are there so many questions? If I can't separate God and his word, why are there so many questions? See, I have to start with an understanding of God's will. And when, when I do that, then God can reveal things to me. I've, I've got to understand what His will is so He can show me things. Uh, God can reveal any hindrances, any blockages, anything that uh, might be stopping healing in my life or stopping healing in a certain situation that would stand in the way of that. Because here's the issue. If, if I accuse God of wanting uh, sickness or desiring it, if I accuse God of even allowing it, then there's no, I leave him no room to work. Because if I say God's allowing it, what am I going to do? Well, God's allowing this sickness. Okay, then just live with it. Because if God, God's the only one that can take it. And if he's allowing it, I'm fighting against God by asking him to take it. Right? And so, But if I know his will, now, somebody will say, well, of course I know his will. It's, it's his will to heal. It is, but why? When we talk about the will of God, that means that that's a direction that God has set himself in. All right? And he's not going to change his direction. What is his will is his will forever and eternity. It doesn't matter if somebody walks in it or not. Uh, uh, an example that, that is, uh, is, doesn't necessarily pertain to healing, but when Saul was anointed king over Israel, God said that was his will. He said, he's the one I chose. And then Saul would not do what God told him to do, and he consistently rebelled against what God said. And God said, my plan was to do this, but not now. All right, Be- because but notice, in other words, my mind hasn't changed. I didn't change my mind. I didn't change my will. All right, receiving anything by faith requires a steadfast commitment to the word. All right, a steadfast commitment to the word, because here's the the reality is that you will never have more honor for God than you do for His word, ever. I've known people who say, well, you know, I honor God, but then they dishonor the Word. You'll never have more honor for God than you do for His Word. And faith requires a commitment to the written Word. Uh, Because every promise in the Word of God is not a promise of something that's coming sometime. It is a promise that's been paid for. It's a promise that's currently mine. And it's ready to be received. All right? Because that's why as words evolve, they, they take on different meanings. The meaning of the word doesn't change. The perception of what the word means changes. All right? I mean, if somebody can tell you today, I promise. I promise I'll do this. And they don't know more do it than anything. Because a promise doesn't mean anything anymore. I, I, am so, I am so fed up, just let me rant for a minute. I am so fed up with the, the sports world and all this garbage that's going on. They are so hypocritical. They are so uh, uh, temp, temperate. It's just ridiculous. Coaches signing contracts. You know what a contract is? I promise. I promise. I'll do this. And then if somebody pays more money, they just break their word and go on. And there are people that, that their day fluctuates depending on how their team does. And there's right Here, here's the issue. When God makes a promise, it's something that is eternal. It's, it's settled. It's settled forever. All right? In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Hallelujah. Of of course, the King James Bible says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God's before ordained that we should walk in them. Uh, The Amplified Bible talks about those good works that God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths that he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life. Now notice what it says about this good life, that he prearranged and made ready for us to live that He prearranged and made ready for us to live. Well, a healed life is a good life. And a healed life then has been prearranged and made ready for us. All right? Because every promise of God is not something, it's, it's not solely something that will be done, it's something that has been done. God can promise to always heal you because that promise is already there. See, what is written in the Word is something that's been made ready for us. If it's in the Word, it's been made ready for me. For for instance, most believers that you know of, if you say, hey, do you have a mansion in heaven? They'll say, yes. Why? Because Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Well, that's true, I'm not making light of that promise. But the Bible also says, with his stripes you were healed. So how is it the same believer can believe that there's a mansion in heaven waiting on them? It's waiting on them, but yet they can't believe something that's already been done. Right? Because, does that make sense? And so that's why God can say, I already see you as healed because of what was done. See, that's the importance of seeing myself the way, in the manner that God sees me. So what's written in the Word is something that's been made ready for me. It's, it's there. All I have to do is receive it. Look here at Second Peter chapter 2. And, and I never want to shrink the room that God has to work. And, and the question I mentioned when we first began, I've had people come to me and say, well, if it's God's will, why is He allowing this? Well, you're shrinking God's room to work. There's no room for Him to work. And I'm not just talking about what we would call religious people. I mean word of faith people. They'll go, well, you know, why am I dealing with this? Why is God allowing this? I mean, I've been confessing the scriptures and I've been doing this. But see, you're confessing the scriptures with the mindset that God's allowing it. God is not allowing it by virtue of what he said in his word. He's not allowing it. God can't work because it's my belief structure that determines what's going to happen from the word. It's what I believe. It's not what God wants. It's not what God said, it's not what God can do, it, what do I believe? This is, this is the key. That's, that's why Jesus said, remember what He said? He said, if you can believe, right, all things are possible. And the man answered, right. He said, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief. If there's an area I'm not believing, help me. And that's how you approach God's Word. God, I see in Your Word that it is Your perfect will to heal me. I believe that. Now, if there's something I'm missing, somewhere I'm missing it, help me. Just help me. Right? Because, because I want Your will in my life. Amen. Glory to God. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3. Actually, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that's called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, one translation, the Norley translation says he, his divine power has given us everything we need for our physical and spiritual life. His divine power. And notice it says through these exceeding great and precious promises. Promises that word promise. It's a very simple definition. You only find this uh, three times. A self-committal. Self-committal. So what that means is every promise in the Word is a self-committal by God. That that promise is presently made ready and waiting on our reception of it. God has committed Himself to His promise. So to every born-again believer... These promises have been given as part of our inheritance. And God has committed himself to it. That that's That's the life changer right there. Is when you understand that God has committed himself to every promise he made. That changes the whole scenario. And it takes me from trying to... Uh, obtain something from God like I have to get him to do it to receiving something that he already did that's already mine it's the reception of it hallelujah part of my inheritance see the issue with an inheritance is it's there in the natural but you haven't received it yet Right? Why? Because you don't get the inheritance until the one giving the inheritance passes away. But the scripture says that a testament is only in force after the death of the testator. Well, Christ was the testator. He was the one that gave the inheritance. And he died. What happens when the one giving the inheritance dies? What happens to you? You get what's in the will. When Christ died, I got what was in the will. It's mine. It's not going to be mine. It is mine. They have been given. Now we can focus on that like we do in our circles. Has been given. But get a hold of that. This is not just a word of faith ideology. Or word of faith theology. Yes, bless God, we want to be positive all the time. God has given. Don't say He's going to give. Say He has. Bless God, I'll slap you. Right? No, understand that. That's right. It has been given. So I've, I've got to see myself in my spiritual realm. I have been given that. Now here's the issue. Have I received it? Because if I haven't received it, because it's been given, doesn't mean anything. I have to receive it. Oh, hallelujah. I I have to take it. I have to receive it. I've tried to give things to people before. I I remember one time I was coming uh, back from the Philippines. I'd been over uh, ministering in in pastors' conferences, and I was coming back, and... uh, and, uh, when, when, of course, when we went, uh, we had exchanged all of our currency uh, that we had, that we had taken over with us. And so I had uh, uh, Filipino money. called pesos. And I had some pesos, a lot of pesos. And uh, I was coming back in the airport, and I, I tried to give it to this guy because I, I don't have no use for it. mean once I get back to America, I don't have no use for it as it was to him because I'm trying to give you something And it's just a simple reception of it. we got to move past this thing of, I'm standing on the Word. I'm believing the Word. I'm believing the Word's going to work. Word always works. God can't lie. Receive it. Quit talking so much about what you're going to do and just do it. I'm going to receive. You've already received. It's already mine. Amen. Wonderful book you should read is a book by Andrew Womack called You Already Have It. Amen. But but the issue is you can read Andrew's book and get nothing. Because it's got to be a revelation to me. I've got to to see that. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And verse 13. Every promise... Is backed by God's word, and that's when you make that decision of quality. That what changed my wife and I's life is we made the decision. We came together and made went into a agreement with each other that if we saw it in the Word, that's how it was. That's how it is. And and this this is a, a situation that doesn't have anything to do with healing per se. But you know, we got born, we got a, a hold of the Word of God. And you know we needed everything. Uh, we were just as broke as we could be. And uh, you know when you're when you're in that situation, you're you're wondering how you know how can we ever get what we need? And we started, of course, finding out the, the prosperity promises in the Word of God. But here's the, the issue: we were doing real well, and then we came across Romans thirteen eight that says, "Keep out of debt and don't owe man anything." Okay. I made a promise. If I see it in the word. I'm going to do it. Right. They got quiet. But if if I see it in the word. Because all the questions start coming. How can I ever own this? How can I ever own that? How can I ever do this? I had people come up to me after I would teach that. And say well then how can we ever expect to have a house. Or ever expect to have a car. Well. Well. I mean, it's there. You got to do what you got to do with it. But the point that I'm making is that that was just an illustration. So we read that and we thought, okay, it's there. Right. So remember what we agreed? If we find it in the word. We're going to do it. That settles the issue, right? I'm going to believe it if I find it in the word. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13, when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Now, notice, who's the promise backed by? God. But there is no greater. Because you'll never have more honor for God than you do for his word. Because he could swear by no greater. See, there's the performer of the promise and the receiver of the promise. God performs what he promised. And I, in simple faith, just have to receive what he promised. And notice, God swore by himself. This is important because what we see is he has locked himself into these promises. He's locked himself into these promises. What he has said, he has said. There's no going back on it. Have you ever dealt with somebody and they'd say, I didn't say that, and you go, yes, you did. Well, that's not what I meant. "What? What? I misspoke you said what you said is that right see God has said what he said with his stripes you were healed he said what he said so what does that mean I was healed in God now I spent 20 plus weeks teaching on our covenant of healing and in in this class and so In God's mind, because we have a covenant of healing, when the stripes were laid on Jesus, I was healed. Right? Now it's the reception of that. It's the reception of that. He's locked himself into these promises. He locked himself into performing and making good these promises. There's no wiggle room. God left himself no wiggle room. Have I said it, and shall I not do it? Right? Titus chapter 1, verse 3, says God cannot lie. Because every word of God is an eternal word. Every word. The book of Colossians says that all things are upheld by the word of His power. Meaning the word contains His power. So that's why you'll hear people say the earth's going to do this and the earth's going to do that. It's not going to do anything of the sort because the earth is held up by the word of His power. Amen. Unless the power quits working, and it won't. See, God cannot promise and then not do it. If He promised it, He has to do it. Now, that's not in spite of your unbelief. That's with your belief. If God promised it, He must do it. Now, think about this for a moment. So, it's because God does not just possess truth. God is truth. Now, we we don't have a clear concept of this sometimes because... That's not the world we live in. If you can imagine a being that has no deceit in them, none, zero. Now, if you can imagine that, you're farther along than me. All right? Because you don't know anybody who hasn't lied. Nobody. Just keep looking straight ahead because the person beside you has lied. The person behind you has lied. The person in front of you has lied, and I'm in front of all y'all. All all right. Everybody has lied, right? Two-year-olds have lied. Three-year-olds have lied. Eighty-year-olds have lied, right? Now, 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 now. Why, why is that so important? Because, why, why would we, why would we ever lie? Because there's a touch of the curse that affected humankind, right? And our physical parents, Adam and Eve, the first thing that came along and the first question God asked them, they lied about it. And they set the course. And that set the course for humankind that the way out of your problem is lie your way out. Right? If you don't want to get caught, lie about it. Well, here's the thing. God is never tempted to lie. Because He is all truth. It never crosses His mind. And and I know we can say, well, yeah, but that's God. But that's the nature that we've been given. And and that's why you don't lie anymore, right? That's why you don't lie. Because my nature has changed. Amen. And it's the nature of God. So I want you to see that, how important that is. God is absolute truth. His word is absolute truth. This doesn't just contain truth. It is truth. Absolute truth. All right? Amen. And that's why when you hear people say, well, you know, I heard a man saying one time, a well-known minister, he said, well, you know, Proverbs is not supposed to be taken as complete truth it's more of an allegory and i thought well what does that do with the word where jesus said your word is truth i mean at what point do we say i don't have to do that that's an allegory that's what religion has done well healing's been done away with it's not always god's will to heal but wait a minute wait a minute can god lie Did he promise? What God has promised is what? Forever and eternally his will. Right? And so it's always God's will to heal because he promised to heal us. Oh, that's so important. Amen. God, God is a father. And you know, I always raised my kids with this understanding. That if a father promises something, they keep their promise. Right, And I'm just a natural father. Amen. Lily will say, I want to do this. Can we do it? And I'll say, yes. And she'll go, you promise? Yes, I promise. And you know what? Promises mean, Daddy. I said, yes, I know. And you know, the next day she expects us to do it. Because I promised. Right? Do you see where you're at? Your expectation is proof of what you believe. If if I'm expecting God to keep his word, it means I believe God. And and notice, it's never a case of God didn't do it. Well, God didn't heal that person. Uh, They didn't receive their healing. This is important. Now, I've had people say, it seems like you're putting all the responsibility on us. I am. To receive what God's already done. I mean, think about this. Look at areas of your life that you know you got over in faith. And what happened? God did exactly what He promised. Now, you might be building your faith where an area of healing is concerned. That's fine. You're building your faith to get it to the place that you can receive what God's already given. But just go back to the the more minor thing. How did you receive that? Right? How did you receive that thing? That's how you're going to receive this thing. Because God's God's word is God's word is no less powerful. It, it doesn't take any more of God's power to heal cancer than it does to heal a cold. They're both sicknesses. And they're both under the curse. And he said, I'll take it all away from you. Right? Where's the problem come in? The problem comes in that people look at the sickness and they see the bigness of it or the sin. No. No, it's not. And he said he can save by many or by few. Doesn't matter. If there's just a few, he can save you. Amen. If it's a big disease, he's got it. If it's a little disease, he's got it. Yeah, but they said it's terminal. He's got it. Amen. Do you see that? Look at Romans 3. when you see it in the word the issue is settled has to be settled hallelujah you know and and there're things that hurt our faith people say you know somebody'll somebody'll die and 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 people well meaning they'll go well you know there's just things we won't know till we get to heaven show me that verse What's the scripture verse for that? Well, I mean it just makes sense, but is there scripture for it? Well, the Bible says the hidden things belong to the Lord. It does. What 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 does that mean? Things that, that I don't know, things that I don't understand. Right? God understands. God knows. What does the Bible say in the New Covenant? That He will reveal those things to us by His Spirit. God doesn't want you walking around the rest of your life wondering why so-and-so passed away, wondering why God didn't heal them. He'll show you. He'll reveal it to you. Not not to make them look bad, to help you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I promise you, this is based on Scripture. You do whatever you want to. People are going to be so shocked when they get to heaven and they ask the question, why? And God says, because they didn't believe. You do whatever you want to do, but I'm telling you, I've studied this extensively, and I've only found one reason people don't receive. Because they didn't believe. Right? Right? So that means I build my believer. Oh, hallelujah. I'm helping you. Romans chapter 3, verse 3. What if some did not believe? So notice there's going to be some that don't believe. But notice what it says Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? The very first phrase of the next verse God forbid. Let God be true and every man be a liar. The Amplified Bible says, What if some did not believe and were without faith? Does their lack of faith and their faithful faithlessness nullify and make ineffective and void the faithfulness of God and His fidelity to His Word? By no means. So notice what we have here. We have people that were without faith and not believing And we have God. And it says their lack of faith. Does not nullify. God's faithfulness to his word. What's the you know, the Bible talks about the promise of salvation. And it says it is unto all and upon all of them that believe. Now think about this for a moment. Faith works the same way for anything. And so you got born again by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. What came first? Believing. Then you confessed what you believed. Now for a believer to say, you know, well, I mean, I believe God, I believe, you know, but. Why didn't God heal so and so? I mean, I believe God is a healer, but why didn't He heal so and so? That's like you saying, Well, I believe God's a savior, but why didn't He save so and so? You do know why He didn't save so and so, right? So and so didn't believe. Is that right? So if they don't believe, they can't be saved. If I don't believe, I can't be healed. If I don't believe, I can't prosper. If I don't believe, things can't change. Well, pastor, I am believing. You probably are believing as far as you know. Right? But I got to stay in the Word. I'm believing as far as I know. All of us are, are believing as far as we're able to at this point in time. But that can grow. That can increase. But what I want you to see is notice what it says. That that person's unbelief doesn't change God's commitment to His Word. That's why you have to understand that God never changes. Number one, he never changes what he believes. God never changes what he believes. I am the Lord, I change not. Now that's repeated over and over throughout scripture, but if it was only made made mention of once, it's enough. Because he doesn't change. Number two, he never changes what he said. God doesn't change what he said. That's why when you say what God said, let it stay said. Amen. And and, and you never want to fall into that trap of, uh, well, why hasn't it happened yet? What you said, let it stay said. Right? When, when you say, when you, your confession is, I am the healed of the Lord, what are you implying that you've already been healed? Let that stay said. Because that's where the power emanates from. Right? Number three, God never changes what he will do. He never changes what he will do. That's why God can be depended upon to do exactly what he said. I've had people say this. God is not predictable. God is the most predictable of all beings in the universe. He can be expected to do exactly what he said. How predictable is someone that never changes? Amen. Listen, my wife says about me, she says, you can set your clock by Philip Steele. If the lights are on in his study, just don't even have to look at your watch. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. You don't even have to to look. That's what time it is, right? If you you see him out running in Maumelle, it's 6 in the morning. Just don't even look at your watch. It's 6. Right? Now, if she has that much confidence in my predictability predictableness how much more confidence should we have in God's predictability oh hallelujah see y'all trust me you came here at 1030 today figuring I'd be out here right God said that he healed you if he said he healed you That's what he will do over and over and over and over and over again. Because the first statement predicts the next actions. What he said once is what he will consistently do. So, amen. Healing always comes if I believe healing is mine. Always comes. And see, that's why you don't get weary in the stand. I I, I ministered a message, two parts, called Joy in the Stand. And that's why you have joy in the stand. You have joy in the stand of faith because the joy is because you know what's yours. Right? One of of the saddest things is, you know, as we grow old, we uh, we lose our wonder at life. Things that used to really cause us to be wide-eyed and wonder. Not anymore. We, we get jaded. Right? That's why you'll run into people and say, well, that's a grumpy old person. Well, they're jaded. You know, it's just like there's nothing to, nothing to have joy about in the world anymore. Right? But, but think about this. You raised kids. You got grandkids. Well, if, if you remember Christmas morning. They've been standing for months. Waiting on that morning, right? Wide-eyed with wonder, excited about what's going to happen. That's how you that's how you, got, you got to have joy in the stand. I'm full of wonder. I'm full of anticipation because of what I know is already mine. I know what's under the tree, right? Amen. That, that little boy or girl will come up and they'll say, I, I know my mom and daddy got this. Well, how do you know? You can't see. I know they did because they said they promised. I asked for it. That's Liliana. I asked for it. Right? And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll play with them. I'll put it to the back and, and you know, make sure that, that one or two they really wanted. And I'll go, oh, okay, looks like that's it. Oh, no, it's not it. It's somewhere. Where is it? But, right, joy in the stand. Why? Because God doesn't change what he will do. Amen. Look at 2 Timothy 2. Oh, glory to God. And that's why over the last few weeks we've taught about the, I, I've made the statement that you got to turn to a greater truth. And what the greater truth is, what you're dealing with is a truth. It's a fact. You know, and sometimes, you know, people try to act like it's not a truth. Well, it is a truth. It's a physical truth. Right? I mean, that's just the reality of it. you got to turn to a greater truth you got to turn to the truth that is that is the, the parent of all truth. Right? The greater law changes the lesser law. There's a greater law of gravity that governs the earth. There's a lesser law of lift and thrust that causes an airplane to supersede the law of gravity temporarily. But how many know the greater law of gravity will always overcome? That plane will come down either by the choice of the pilot or the choice of gravity what goes up must come down one of one of Newton's laws if it goes up it has to come down why because gravity is the greater law it's the parent law it's what keeps us functioning on this planet the Word of God is the greater law It's what allows us to function in the kingdom according to the the regulations and according to the desires of God. What allows me to function in that kingdom is the the truth of God's word. It's the greater law. And so when when I go to the doctor and I'm told this is the issue, they may even say you have this. I've had believers say, I don't have that. I don't have it. Yes, you do. You got it. It's there. They found it pastor I went to the doctor and they said they found cancer well they didn't just say it they found it you know faith is not intimidated by what they find this is important Faith, faith's not intimidated by what they find and so I've had people say I told that doctor I don't have that well he just thought you were in shock Well, well, what would have been a better response? Well, thank you for what you've said, and I believe I received my healing. Right? It's there. It's a truth, but you have a greater truth. And you turn to the greater truth. Right? Did you, did you hear Brother Copeland's testimony about, you know, he, he had cancer, got cancer, and uh, had an a, a issue in his body? And he, and he kept noticing it and finally uh, he went to his personal physician and he said uh, you know we better go get that looked at because that don't yeah on his hand that don't that don't look good and uh, so he went to the doctor and the doctor you know did the the biopsy or whatever they did and and he it came back and he said yeah it's it's definitely cancerous and uh so he said okay and and he went home and he and he got he said uh, you know the bible says call for the elders of the church so he called for uh, Pastor George Pearson to come, and he said he came over the house and uh, brought the anointing oil and laid hands on me and anointed me with oil. And he said when he laid hands on me, he said I felt the power of God enter my body. And he said that settled the issue. Now, here's the issue is, you know, people go, yeah, and it just disappeared, didn't it? Mm-mm. No, but he had already turned to a greater truth. And he went back to the doctor, and and the process then was the doctor's going to shave this, you know, layer by layer. And when he gets down low enough and there's no more cancer cells, then you can go. Could take 30 minutes to two hours. Well, the doctor came in and shaved that off, and he said, we waited about 20 minutes. And they came back and said, yeah, there's no more. You can go. Well, Well, what had happened? What had happened? That that greater truth had already started killing those cells. But Brother Copeland, now would you say that Kenneth Copeland knows a little something about faith? He didn't say, I don't have that. I don't believe that. He turned to a greater truth. See, when you get into denial, you get into doubt. Because you're denying it because you're afraid. Faith has no fear. Yeah, but they said I had cancer. Yeah. Faith has no fear. This is so important because I'm turning to this greater truth. I had a friend, uh, still have a friend, but he pastors in the in uh, Alabama, and he was on a uh, a dive boat one time in. Uh, uh, let me see, was it Bermuda or the Bahamas? I forget which one, but one of them. And uh, uh, a guy came up to him, and it's kind of humorous, but a guy came up to him and said, you know, I don't mean to bother you. He said, but I'm a, a dermatologist from Canada. And uh, he said, and, and you've got a, a mole on your back. He said, I'd get that checked out if I was you. And, uh, you know, he, my friend's kind of funny. He said, what are the chances? You know, I'm on a dive boat in the Bahamas and a Canadian dermatologist. But in any event, he went to, went to his doctor, and, and sure enough, they, they checked it out, and it was cancerous. And uh, uh, so he's trying to decide, the doctor said, and they gave him a, a local, you know, uh, anesthetic and, and, and took it off and, and sent it, it off to have it checked out and, and uh, came back, and they said, well, we got it all. He said, you know, there's something interesting about that that we sent in. He said, what's that? He said, well, under, the underside of it was all white. And he said, well, what does that mean? He said, it was dying. It was dying. Well, what had happened? He had been putting the Word on it, and the Word was already taking, taking care of it. He went ahead and had it removed. But you see, he turned to the greater truth. He didn't tell that dermatologist, I reject that in the name of Jesus. That's a bad confession. Don't speak ugliness over my mole. Right? He went and had it checked out. Because when you are in faith, you're not afraid of what report you might get. So important. Because what have you already done? You've already read the Word and committed that what you see in the Word is the truth. Do you know there's no scripture that says you won't ever get sick? There's a scripture that says he'll take it. And now you can get to where you walk in divine health, and I believe that. But but think about that for a moment. Not one scripture that says sickness and disease won't try to come on your body, but it says he'll take it. And it says you can get to the place that he'll keep you from it. Amen. i got to build my faith there. Did you find uh, 1 Timothy 2? Verse 13, I was running ahead of time, so I had to take up some time. Hallelujah. Verse 13, if we believe not, yet he abides faithful. Notice this. He cannot deny himself. So if we don't believe what God said, it doesn't change what God believes. About what he said. Why? He can't deny himself. He always remains faithful to what he said. The Amplified Bible says. He remains true. Faithful to his word and his righteous character. For he cannot deny himself. See that's how I know. It's always God's will to heal. He can't deny his word. And he can't deny what his word says that he is. See, God's word cannot say he is something. And then him act contrary to what the word says he is. And that seems simple. But, you know, the word says God is love. And then you have believers accusing God of doing things that's outside of that character. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can write these down. Exodus 15, 26. He said, I am the Lord that heals you. And what preceded that was, I will allow none of the evil diseases of Egypt to come on you, for I'm the Lord that heals you. Now, that's a familiar verse, but did God say that about himself? So then... If God says, I am the healer, the physician, the surgeon, is he ever the one that brings sickness? Cannot be. Is Would he be the one that allows it? He cannot be. Well, then why does God allow it? That's the wrong question. Why do we allow it? God stops what we choose to stop and He allows what we allow. Oh, hallelujah. See, that's a forever settled fact. God is eternally existent as my healer. Exodus 23 25. He said, I will take sickness from the midst of you. I'll bless your bread and your water. And take sickness from the midst of you. So, whatever sickness may be present, my healer, my physician will take it. He'll take it. And then uh, in Deuteronomy 7, hallelujah. See, there are things about healing that need to be said. They're not said, and they need to be said, and and that's why people struggle. You know, uh, they 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 struggle with any any number of uh, of different things. And we've dealt with one of them. One of the big ones is the question: Well, why did this happen, and how did this happen, and and why did God allow it? Well, we're trying to answer that question. That that God is what His Word says He is. And when I say why did God allow it, I limit what he can do. Amen. I've had this raising children before. I I, I might come in, might come in the kitchen and they're doing something I'm not sure why they're doing it. I say, "Hey, what are you all doing? Why are you doing that?" Mom said we could, settles the issue. Right? Limits what I can do. Because mother said they could. Right? If you believe God allowed it, what are you going to do? He allowed it. The only thing you're left to try to figure out is what religion says. What's he trying to show me? What's he trying to work in me? What purpose does he have in this? God has no purpose in anything that Jesus died to free you from. Why would God put sickness on you or allow sickness on you that He knows will kill you when your sickness already killed Jesus? He allowed it on Jesus so it wouldn't be allowed on us. That's the reality of it. And, 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 and that's got to be my mindset. In Deuteronomy 7, 8 and 9, He said, because the Lord loved you and would keep the oath he swore to your fathers, the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God, he is God. And then it says, the faithful God. That keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keeps his commandments To a thousand generations. He's faithful to what he said. And he says look back to where you were. I made a promise to your fathers. And in order to keep my word I delivered you. And know that I am God. I'm the faithful God. I keep my word. If God's ever done anything for you, what makes you think He won't do what you need now? He will always do it. Because if He's done it, He'll do it. And if He'll do it, He'll do it again. This is so important. And then verse 14. Notice one of the things He'll do. You'll be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or your cattle. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness. I believe it says all. Does it say all? So can you name any sickness that's not included in all? And who will take it? Who will take it? The Lord will take it. The Lord who what? Heals me. What what does He do? He heals me. Doesn't make me sick. Doesn't allow me to be sick. Doesn't allow me to languish in pain. Isaiah says, He'll bring him up from his bed of languishing. And set him strong and set him right. Amen. Amen. And will put none of them. Now watch. None of the evil diseases. Notice what he says about disease. It's evil. So is God evil? So by by terms, by words, we see right away that God is diametrically opposed to sickness. Because sickness is evil and God is good. Amen? Because God can't be evil. God is not tempted with evil, James says, neither tempts he any man. So when someone says God's allowing me to be sick, they're saying God is tempting me with evil. But he's not, he can't. He said, you know these diseases, they'll come upon all that hate you. So he'll take it. So, verse 15, is that part of his word. This, what's he faithful to? His word. So that settles the issue. That's why when somebody says this is going around, you can say, I don't mind telling you, I'll never have it. Why? Because because of his word. Hallelujah. What happens if I get it? You're the healed of the Lord. You say what you are. Amen. And, and let, let me, let me, I got five minutes. Let me wrap this up with this. And, that, and that's why there's no room for embarrassment, shame. You know, people will get sick and they act like they sinned. You got sick. You'll get well. Right? I've had people come to me and say, oh, pastor, I know I shouldn't have got sick. Why are you telling me that? Because you feel embarrassed. You feel guilty. Amen. Do you understand? If if, if, I, if I wake up and I'm fighting a battle, I call the office and I don't say, "Uh, I'm not going to be there. Uh, I'm the pastor. Don't question me. I'm just not coming in. I call on whoever I talk to, Jim, Kim, Pastor Larry, whoever. Look, guys, I'm, 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 I'm overcoming some stuff. I'll be in tomorrow. Well, how does that make them feel about you? Don't care. Don't know and don't care. Because I'm, I'm the healed of the Lord. There's not one scripture that says the enemy will not try to combat your covenant, but it says your covenant will always win. And so you might be in a place right now where you're fighting some things consistently, but you're going to overcome them. And you always start, right? I remember the, the guy I told you about? He said, Pastor, what do you do if you get up in the morning and, and you're so sick the room's spinning? I said, you get on your, on your feet on the floor and you say, thank God I'm the healed of the Lord and you pass out. That's what you do. Yeah, but I got back in bed. Yeah, you got back in bed healed. But I didn't feel healed. Doesn't change it. Doesn't change it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Do you see that? And the enemy uses that embarrassment and that shame. Well, I ought to know better. I know the Word. Well, yeah, you do know the Word. That's why you're declaring you're healed. The moment you get over into embarrassment and shame, your healing has stopped it will progress no further because th- those are contrary statements it's well you know what it actually is it's pride You're embar- anything that embarrasses you it's 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 your pride that's why it's good for everybody to have kids they're pride busters yeah they're pride busters hallelujah I was talking to Lily one day, and, and, you know, Lily and I have a great relationship. And I was talking to Lily one day, and she'll hug me. And when she hugs me, she always says, oh, Daddy, you smell so handsome. Uh, praise God. And I was, I was talking to her one day, and I was just looking at her. We were having the sweetest conversation. She goes, Daddy, what's hanging out of your nose? Okay. Just a, yeah, Just a pride buster anything that embarrasses you it's 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 your pride amen do you see that because nobody is above a battle nobody and and understand that and it's it's pride to hide things it's pride to act like This shouldn't have happened to me. Well, I understand that that you don't want to run around sick all the time. We have uh, these great and precious promises. But here's my point. If you're fighting a battle, to be embarrassed about it, you're embarrassed for a reason. Your pride's hurt. I don't want people to think I'm not a person of faith. Well, they're going to think what they want to think. You can't help how people think. You can't help how people think. I don't care. Can Can I share something with you real quick two things i remember I remember when our uh second daughter faced some of the medical challenges that she faced when she was born. We had friends that came to visit us from Tennessee and uh they wanted to uh to to be there and and kind of help with the the baby and whatnot and uh they went in our uh our bathroom I don't know why they were opening up our medicine cabinet I guess they wanted some medicine but in Maybe see if there was medicine. And they did. And, and they found uh, some medicine in there. And they went to the people, family members. They didn't know that we knew they said it. And they said, we know why she faced the challenges that she faced. And they said, why? And they said, two reasons. They use medicine and they have insurance. Hmm. Wow. Do you see that? People say, what'd you do when you found that out? I didn't go throw my medicine away.